What a wonderful morning of worship we've already had together. My goodness, this has been good. And we also get to land the plane on this sermon series called Resilience that we have been in for the last three weeks. This will be the fourth. And I've been introducing every sermon the same way, hoping that this stuff will get stuck in your head. That's what I said last week. The same way that it has been stuck in my head. And it's this, that if we're honest with ourselves, we look back over the last couple of years, I think it's pretty clear that things have not gone exactly according to plan, whether it's in our society, in our world, in our community, or even in our, in your personal life. Odds are high that it didn't follow the map that you had drawn out for it, right? Which means I think it's safe for us to just go ahead and assume that this year is probably not gonna go exactly according to plan either which doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. I've been giving this disclaimer every week. That doesn't mean we shouldn't plan. It doesn't mean we shouldn't set goals. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have New Year's resolutions. I'm not saying any of that, but I am saying, I think we need to maintain this, this awareness that really we're not in control, at least not as in control as we would often like to be. And instead, sometimes we just seem to be along for the ride. But no matter what, one of the things that we always have control over is our ability and how we respond when things don't go according to plan. Or in other words, our level and our ability to be resilient. I've been asking myself the question this whole month, what if our church was known for being resilient? You've heard me say this for four weeks now. I hope you've started to ask this question too. I mean, what if our church was known in this community for being that group of people that nobody really understands? Because no matter what happens around them, they continue to love God and love neighbor. They continue to live out the mission that they know that they have been given. They continue to be resilient. What if 2024 was the year of resilience for Bluff Park United Methodist Church? After doing some research, I found that most resilient people and most resilient organizations are compassionate, present, prayerful, and courageous. We've talked about compassion. We've talked about a practice of presence. Last week, we spent some time looking at how Jesus teaches us to pray. And this week, we get to spend a little bit of time talking about courage. There's no shortage of courageous people in Scripture. Daniel, Moses, Esther, King David, Joshua, Paul, Peter, John, just to name a few, right? All of them examples and stories of courage. But this week, I was drawn to the story of these two Hebrew midwives that we find in the book of Exodus, Shifra and Pua. And the story goes like this. We just read it, but I want to make sure you got it. The most powerful man in the world at the time, the king of Egypt tells these two Hebrew midwives, midwives to the slaves in Egypt, just so you understand where they fall on the totem pole here, tells them that they are to be tasked with killing any baby Hebrew boy that is born. And Pharaoh ordered this because he was afraid. He was afraid that if the Hebrews, God's chosen people, continued to multiply at the rate that they were multiplying, that they would eventually be able to build up such a big enough force that even them could maybe defeat the Egyptians and be freed from slavery. 
So Pharaoh orders these two women to kill all of the male babies that they help deliver. And Shifra and Pua completely ignore him. And when Pharaoh finds out, he calls them into his office. And he says, why have you not done what I told you? I mean, I can only imagine that Pharaoh is not used to people not doing what he tells them to do, especially the Hebrew people. And they tell him, look, Pharaoh, these Hebrew women are so vigorous that before we even get there, they've already given birth. And and it's impossible for us to tell whether it is a male or a female baby. I mean, their response is literally that these women are so good at giving birth that they've completely cut us out of the process, Pharaoh. Our hands are tied. There's really nothing more that we can do, which I think is humorous. I think it's meant to be funny for us, right, that the reason that they give is literally these women are too good. They don't need us. But I think it's also a cool detail for us to notice here because remember, in Genesis, God tells Adam and Eve that their charge is to be fruitful and to multiply. And that is exactly what these Hebrew women are doing, and that's exactly what these midwives are allowing them to do. It's also a signal to us as the reader, in case we haven't already gotten the message, that Pharaoh is against and is trying to prevent God's people from doing this, which means he is a force against the will of God. So Shifra and Pua, they they saved these babies' lives, and the scripture tells us that God was pleased with them for their actions, that he even gave them families of their own because of their courage. So why is this story so significant? Why do we get the story of two Hebrew midwives inserted into the very beginning of the book of Exodus? Well, if you opened up your Bibles, you would see that, that the very next story in the scriptures is the story of the birth of Moses, which is meant to imply to us as the reader that Shifra and Pua's actions led to the birth of Moses, the Moses that led God's people out of Egypt and into freedom. So it's clear that these two women make a profound difference in the trajectory of the story of God's people. And yet, We only have seven verses about them in all of Scripture. But even just in those seven verses that we read together, I think there are two big lessons for us today. And the first one is this, and it is obvious. But we're going to talk about it for a second either way. Be courageous. I mean, Shipra and Pua are incredibly courageous, are are they not? I mean, they were risking not only their jobs, not only what, what livelihood they might have been paid to be Hebrew midwives, but they're also risking their lives. I mean, if people found out that they defied a direct order from Pharaoh himself or that they lied to his face, I mean, they would have been put to death without a doubt, no questions asked. But they have courage. I mean, these two women who history almost forgot, I think could have easily forgotten. These two women could have easily gotten away with just following Pharaoh's orders. And nobody would have blamed them. I mean, they would have been doing exactly what they were told. They they had no choice, right? I mean, he's Pharaoh and and he's told us to do this. Who were they to defy his orders? 
They had plenty of excuses that they could have used, but they didn't use any of them. And thank goodness, right? I mean, Shipra and Pua's actions would go on to free their people, and it all started with just a little bit of courage. I mean, I think in these seven verses, you can't help but see that these women are heroes, and that these women, I think it is clear, are resilient. And if we want to be resilient, which which I think that we do, especially after talking about it for four weeks, we need to take a lesson from them. And it's a simple lesson that as a people of faith, we have to learn that there are moments when we're just going to have to be brave. Moments both big and small, when just a little bit of courage can make all the difference in the world. I stumbled across a story this week that CBS News on Sunday morning did a few years back about a four-year-old named Dylan who was afraid to jump off the diving board. Dylan and his parents were at a neighborhood pool party, and one of their neighbors, whose name was Daniel, Dylan and Daniel, Daniel, who was a 95-year-old World War II veteran, was there. And Daniel sat and watched as everybody tried to coax Dylan to jump off the diving board for the first time. And every single time he climbed on the board with shaky knees, right? We've all seen a kid try to get over the hump of doing this. He would instead go to the very edge of the board and squat down and lower himself into the water. And I can remember feeling that way as a child. For me, it was at the lake, and everybody was trying to convince me to jump off of the pier for the very first time. And I had on a life jacket, and the floaties, you know, I'm all jacked up like this. And even if I were to jump off, my head probably wouldn't even get wet, you know. But I just couldn't do it. Knees buckling, irrational fears racing through my head, tunnel vision. I mean, I, I can see, I can feel where Dylan was in that moment. Well, Daniel was sitting there watching and he began to think that maybe if Dylan saw him, of all people, go off that diving board, that that four-year-old might just have the courage to follow. So this 95-year-old borrowed a swimsuit from someone at the party and with some assistance, cane in hand, got on the diving board and dove into the pool. In the interview, he says that it probably wasn't his best dive of his life, and I I can attest to that. It wasn't. But it was good enough for Dylan, because shortly after Daniel dove into the pool for the last time, that four-year-old dove into the pool for the first time. And all he needed was a little bit of courage. For me at the lake, it was $5. It ended up doing the trick for me, okay? (laughs) I'm a simple man. That's what gave me the courage I needed. But I think it's fair for us to ask the question this morning, where is it in your life that you need to have courage? I mean, where is it in your life that you think God just needs you to be brave? Where do you need to take the leap into the pool? Maybe it's at work like Shifra and Pua. Maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe it's in your spiritual life. I don't know. But my guess is that I think we all probably have things in our lives that we aren't doing just simply because we are afraid to jump in the water for the very first time. And maybe for us, reading the story of Shifra and Pua and seeing their courage will be enough to inspire us to jump off the diving board 
perhaps. The truth, and I think you already know this, is that truly living a life of faith takes courage. It it, it just takes a willingness to do what we know is right, even though there might be some less than ideal consequences. I mean, to be honest, I don't really feel like my job this morning is to convince you that courage is necessary for a life of faith or that courage is necessary for resilience. I think you know that. I think that you probably believe that, and I think that we can see that all over the place. To be resilient, to be faithful, especially through an unexpected season, it takes courage. It takes bravery. The question is how? It's not that hard for us to stand up here and say that we need to be courageous or that we want to be courageous, but finding the courage, finding it is is, is an entirely different thing. How can we be courageous? How can we be a church that is is brave? I mean, really, to me, that feels like an age-old question, doesn't it? The good news is that I think we find at least one answer in the story of Shifra and Pua, and, and I don't think it's going to be exactly what you expect. I think according to their story, in order to be courageous, we first need to be fearful. And here's what I mean by that. Shifra and Pua feared God. I mean, remember what the scripture says, but the midwives feared God. So they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. Now, when the Bible talks about fearing God, it's not the fear in the sense that we think about it, that word, today. We're not supposed to be afraid of God in the same way that someone is afraid of Freddy Krueger or the Joker or the Boogeyman, right? It's It's not the same kind of fear that Scripture is trying to call us towards. To fear God isn't to be afraid of God. It is to revere him to respect him, to esteem God and place his will above all else. It is to first and foremost be in relationship with him. I actually really like the way the message version of scripture translates that same verse because I think it's really helpful for us to understand what fear of the Lord actually means. And I want you to hear it. But the midwives had far too much respect for God and didn't do what the king of Egypt ordered. Instead, they let the babies live. To fear God is to have far too much respect for God to do anything that we believe might be contrary to God's heart. We revere God and so we live our lives according to the things that we know and believe he is about. That's why in Proverbs chapter 9 it says that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting place for living a life of wisdom. And I think it's the starting place for living a life of courage. If we want to be courageous, I think we should be seeking to fear God in the same way that Shifra and Pua do. Because it's out of that respect and out of that reverence for God, for what God is and for what God is about that I think we begin to find courage and wisdom and guidance. I mean, it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But courage comes from a fear of God. I spent three years in Dallas while I was in seminary at SMU, 
which meant I got to, got to go and explore Dallas a little bit, especially that first year before Madison moved out there with me. And I had no idea how many museums and kind of attractions that the city of Dallas was full of. And one of my first classes, one of my classmates uh, was working part-time at the Holocaust Museum in Dallas. And I had studied the Holocaust in school, but I never really took any in-depth history classes. And I realized in speaking to him that I really didn't know much about it outside of the 30,000-foot view of, of what happened. And so I decided I was going to go, and I, and I timed it so that I would go when he was working there so that he could walk me through the museum. And as we were walking through, I came across a little screen that was telling the story of Susa Mendez, whose story I was not familiar with. Susa Mendez was the Portuguese consul general in Bordeaux, France, during World War II, which meant he had the authority to issue visas to folks, allowing them to make their way into Portugal and find safety and refuge there. And at the time, there were tens of thousands of Jewish and non-Jewish folks stranded in France seeking visas anywhere to get them to safety, especially to what was a neutral Portugal to hopefully escape the, re escape the reach of the Nazi party. The problem was that the Portuguese government, and in particular their dictator of the time, Antonio Salazar, in an effort to remain neutral and stay out of conflict, had placed Sousa Mendes under strict orders to not issue any visas to anyone. And everything that I read about Portugal at that time this week said that it would have been unthinkable for a diplomatic official like Sousa to directly disobey orders. But guess what he did? He issued a whole lot of visas. He issued visas to some of the actors and actresses who were going to star in Casablanca. He issued a visa to the great surrealist painter Salvador Dali. He rescued the author of the Curious George series by allowing him to make way into Portugal. I mean, altogether, they're still trying to figure out just how many visas he actually issued to folks, but it's definitely well over 10,000 people that he saved over the course of World War II. But like Schiffer and Pua, eventually the government found out they caught on. And because of that, he was dismissed from his job and he had to stand trial in Portugal for insubordination to the authority of the dictator. And from the very beginning, he could have said, I'm sorry, my, my hands are tied. My bosses won't let me. There's no way that I can go against the orders that I have been given. But he didn't. And because he didn't, he suffered. He lost his job. He fell into poverty. Many of his colleagues and his family abandoned him. But he never questioned what he did or the choice he made. When he was asked later in his life why he issued all of those visas, why he defied the orders that he was given, his response was this. I'm a Christian. And as a Christian, I can't act otherwise. I think there's clearly a lot of similarities between the story of Susa Mendez and the story of Shifra and Pua. I think Susa feared God, and it gave him the courage to do what was right, no matter what the worldly powers were telling him to do. He was courageous because he was first fearful, which I think begs a really important question for us as we 
as we seek to kind of put a bow on this series, trying to be a resilient people. Who is it that you fear? What do you measure your actions based on? I mean, I think at different stages of my life, I've had seasons where where I had fear or, or had reverence of people and things other than God. Seasons where I wanted to fit in so badly that, that I feared my friends. L- living my life in a way where all of my decisions and all of my actions were measured by what other kids might think of, of me. And then I got my first adult job and those fears kind of shifted to my supervisors and, and my coworkers. Was I doing enough of a, of a good job? Everything I did seemed to revolve around making sure that I fit whatever they needed me to fit into. I think we spend a lot of time fearing our peers Is our house nice enough? Do we live in the right zip code? Do we have enough success at work? Maybe you feel like you fear money or clout. Just speaking for myself, I've spent so much time fearing and revering the wrong people when the only person I needed to be concerned about was God. I think we've all probably made that mistake before. And so my prayer for us today is that we might have the courage to only fear God. That that we would be willing to be courageous to step onto the diving board and to simply take the leap in the hopes that our courage might inspire someone else to do the same. And I pray that we that we would be fearful, having far too much respect for God to do something or not do something according to what we believe aligns with God's heart. May we be courageous and may we be fearful so that we just might be resilient. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would give us reverent hearts. Reverent hearts, Lord, that revere you and you alone, trusting in your wisdom, seeking your guidance discerning, Lord, continually seeking to discern what it is that is in line with your heart. A people fearful of you, Lord, so that we just might be courageous. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that to truly live a life of faith is going to take bravery. It will mean moving in the opposite direction of the status quo, It will mean putting others above ourselves. It will mean forgiving when we wish we didn't have to, Lord. And it will be realizing over and over and over again that we can't do this without you. Lord, make us fearful so that we might be courageous. And perhaps, God, we just might be resilient. We sure do love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.